the Team Performance Podcast with Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Team Performance Winning Ways for Uncertain Times podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I'm joined, as always, by Spencer Horn. But Spencer, you look like you're in a different place. You either sold your house or you're on the road. <laughs> no, I did not sell my house. Yes, I, I am on the road. I, I'm in St. George, Utah. I'm actually right in between you and Salt Lake and, and, our, and our guest, which we'll talk about here in a second, in, in Las Vegas. It is uh, it's beautiful down here and I'm uh, but I'm with my my wife and four grandchildren in two hotel rooms for eight days so it is uh we're we're having a a good time and it's keeping my wife and I very occupied so you might hear some background noises every once in a while you never know what will happen well that's all good all right I mean we're not NBC here I'm not uh, Bob Costas and and so uh, you, know, you, you take Bob Costas, <laughs> you did bring that talent up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm not Al Michaels and you're not Chris Collinsworth. So, uh, yeah, we're just uh, two humble guys doing their thing. And so if kids or dogs or whatever, they run into frame or they start bark- barking in the background. That's totally we're bonking. Yeah. 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 OK, so uh, so it sounds like you're down there in St. George for pleasure and not for business then. It is for, yes, for us, that is absolutely pleasure to, to watch our grandchildren and their parents are in Hawaii having a, a nice little earned break and they just want to relax. You know, it's, it's hard work raising a family, as you know, but with all this lockdown doing homeschool, take, you know, taking care of four children from ages 11 to less than two years old. And, and husband has uh, started a new business, actually purchased a business in Massachusetts, and they are, it, it's quite a daunting task. Uh, they are so, so busy. So they, they're getting a much earned break. Well, yes, definitely earned. But I hear Hawaii is not the easiest place to get into. No, you, you have to go through, a, you really jump through a few hoops to, to be able to, to get there. And, and they did everything they needed to do. And they're enjoying, uh, enjoying themselves now. Well, I'm very glad to hear that, Spencer. It sounds like a lot of fun. I hope you have fun with your grandchildren down there in St. George and uh, you don't break too many things in the hotel room. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, not the Joe Walsh uh, lifestyle that we have here, so. <laughs> very good. You, so, you understand yeah, the reference. Our, our right. 70s yep. rockers, uh, yeah, <laughs> hanging out in trash in hotel rooms. Um, yeah, that's probably the right age for us, Spencer. Well, right. <laughs> Let's let's get on to talking with our guest because I'm so excited to hear about our guest that you've invited yeah. here today, Spencer. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Absolutely, I'm so excited to introduce our guest today, Dr. Jeffrey McGee, who I met through the the speaking world, and we'll talk just a little bit about that before we get started. But Dr. McGee is really someone that I um, aspire to to be like. He is really well known in the leadership. And, and the sales world. He is uh, called today's, one of today's leading leadership and marketing strategists. And he works with, with C-suite uh, professionals, business leaders, military generals, and, and this CEO to CEO peer groups across America. And, and I know that that's limiting you, Dr. McGee, because you have uh, an international reach as well. But he's someone who's an author. He's authored 20 books and titles such as Talentification. Did I, did I pronounce that right? You did it Dr. good. 
Okay, great. Uh, your trajectory code, the sales training handbook, the, the managerial Bible, sales mastery, sales training, and, and many, many more that I'm, that I'm not listing here. He is a certified speaking professional with the National Speakers Association. He is past pre presidents, I say presidents, of multiple National Speakers Association chapters around, around the country. He is also a certified trainer, coach, and his credentials are uh, highly sought, out, sought after for Fortune 100 companies. If you go on his website, you know, drjeffreymcgee.com, I mean, you'll see testimonials from Fortune 100 companies, companies like Disney and, 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 and others. And so I, I feel very fortunate to have him on our, our show today. And, um, you know, Dr. McGee, you and I met, what is it, about three years ago, maybe a little bit more? About three to four years ago here in Las Vegas, yes, sir. Yeah, so it, through the, the National Speakers Association chapter Las Vegas, and uh, we, I think we had kind of a curious meeting because you had heard that I, uh, I used to work for a company that, that you had been brought in to help, uh, help. Yes, we'll stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> But we we had a we had a great conversation and and it's a company that that both of us love because of the good work that they do and and yet sometimes uh, sometimes it's hard for people to uh, to move past some of the, the challenges of, of history but that's why they would bring in someone like Dr. McGee is to to really help uh, an organization change their trajectory and he's fabulous at that so um, I have tremendous respect and I've had the opportunity to hear him actually at our uh, speaking, our, our national speaking convention, which is called Influence. And I came and heard you speak in, in Denver and you had so many great things to, uh, to share. Because one of the things I didn't share about your credentials, Dr. McGee, is not only do you speak to organizations, you help speakers understand how to run this business. And that's something that is a challenge in and of itself. So many people want to coach and, and mentor and train, but they don't understand really what it takes to run a business. And you're somebody that, that helps them to do that with so much experience that you have. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it, people have to realize it's a business, no matter if you are a solo practitioner, solo entrepreneur, if you have a small business or large firm, uh, it really is a business and understanding some of the basic business tenets universal laws, we can call them. They apply no matter what business you're in, no matter how small or big you're in. And once you understand those, then you can start aligning resources and human capital and talent and finding people with like values and vision. And when you bring all that together, um, it's beyond magical what can be accomplished. But when you have competing energies and competing values, uh, you're never going to excel to the level you are. It's one of the things I learned from Sir Richard Branson, who uh, has written for my magazine, Performance Magazine, many times over the past 30 years. He and I have written two books together. Here's a gentleman that started from zero to B, billion dollar, four different billion dollar companies over the past 50 years, and each one had no connectivity to the next. But what he realized was what you just teed up, Spencer, business. I mean, how do you have clarity of business and what it takes to get there? And some people just don't get it. They think that it's just something easy that happens, and there's a lot of work to it. Okay, so, so I, I, I got to jump in here. You, <laughs> when I talk to you, I mean, I, I, I work hard. You know, Christian, we talk about being individual consultants and, and, and businesses. 
And, uh, you know, you, you just got off a six hour, uh, webinar that you were running for a client, but, uh, you know, for those of you who, who want to have the level of success that Dr. McGee has, so, so when do you get into the gym of business building, so to speak? At what time in the morning does your day start? <laughs> I, I knew that's where you were headed. You know, when I sold my last company, the, the, the third ownership I had in it, which is a very large training and development company for lawyers and CPAs, which yeah. is a billion dollar industry. And I relocated here to Las Vegas because I'm crazy. I like heat, hot, and I wanted to experience the desert growing Your up. Your tan mountains. looks good. I'm looking a little patient today with my light on. You're looking, sh you're looking sharp. Man. The roof is always down when I go out to drive. Even if it's too cold, it's still down. I'm, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna, you know, give in. Uh, you know, so the answer, what I realize is again, it goes to success and team performance. You know, the theme of your program. Again, it's about values. It's about, yes, there's life balance. We can have that conversation, but it really is, are you committed to what you do? And you talk to a gold medalist that's in the Olympics, you know, Christian, your world that you spend a lot of time in, you know, what differentiates that gold medalist from someone who never makes it to the Olympics is what I call the 1% factor. We can talk a little bit about that in a minute, but it's, it's the ability to recognize what's that 1%, not major work. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of work, but what's that 1% adjustment that the superstar is willing to make that no one else is willing to make? And that's how you become that. If you're a pro athlete, not the farm league, not, you know, playing it you know, on the side in a pickup game. But if you're a pro athlete, that's that 1%. What do they do? They've got to be a super performer every time they take the field, not once in a while. And so that, that metaphor and that analogy will go to any business. So for me, when I moved to Vegas, I realized, wait a minute, this is Pacific time zone. If there's a lot of business opportunity on the East Coast, then 8 a.m. on the East Coast is 5 a.m. on the Pacific Coast. And if there's a lot of business opportunities in Central and Mountain and Pacific time, and if we go to Alaska and Hawaii, five o'clock for us in Pacific is still basically four-ish for them in Hawaii and, and in, in Alaska. So if you think about it, you could literally work, if you're in a Pacific time zone, I don't know if I reversed it if I'm on the East Coast, you could literally work easily a 10 to 12 hour day and there's someone you could truly be connecting with just in North America to do business. And we haven't even talked about the opportunities globally. So for me, typically my first Zoom call in the morning or phone call in the morning or webinar or meeting, if it's back in the you know, old days of 10 months ago when you could see somebody, you know, meeting <laughs> face to face, usually my first meeting is around five to six in the morning. And, and again, my last business call may be at three or four in the afternoon, but if you do the math, I've already put in a 10 hour day basically, or I could go to five or six in the evening. So the gym of the business world for me starts at 6 a.m. because most people in the Pacific time zone start around nine o'clock, truth be told. Again, keep in mind, Gallup organization says 56% of Americans are complacent and lazy. 15% of Americans are worthlessly, worthlessly pathetic. And only 29% work. So if I use that math, which is tough love <laughs> for people, there's your clue. So I'm, I got a 30 to 40% margin on my entire competition every day. So, so because Christian, we talk about your schedule. I want you to talk about your, your time zones in India and China and Japan. But, you know, think about that for a second. So many people want to go out and, and do what you do less than 17% of all speakers have the CSP certification that you have, which is, which puts you in this class of someone that's, that you don't take anything for granted, even though you've been doing this for 27 years. I, I, I think it's been, is that long? Did I get the time right? 31, 27, it's close. 
what, 31 years. Isn't that amazing? 31 years. And, and you know, the wonderful thing is, though, that you get to, to choose, even though you have those days, you get to choose how, how hard you work and who you work with and what clients you work with and that's your that's that's the control and the power that you have you get to choose whether you come on our show or not and and what what clients you take their calls and and you don't yeah it, it really is it's all about choices and again people a lot of times don't recognize the implications or ramifications to the decisions they make where it's going to put you and again you, you you're flying on an airplane good times bad times doesn't matter again if you're flying on a plane and you sit down you choose to either engage or not engage a person next to you and then if you choose to engage them you choose to engage them in stupid chit chat hi how you doing where are you going i mean or you choose to engage them with something more meaningful so yeah i still may want to engage but if spencer sits down next to me and say you know how are you doing where are you headed today you know, then it gives me a better question or you headed home or heading to work. That gives me a better question. I could go somewhere with that versus just how are you doing? Because you never know who you're sitting down next to. I mean, everyone has greatness within them, but if you don't give someone a better question to answer, you have no clue. I mean, I have met, you know, politicians, military leaders, pro athletes, musicians, entertainers that sit down next to me that I know, I know I should know them, but I'm not, I'm not connecting with them that, that fast. So ask a better question. And it's amazing who you sit down next to. Same thing in an organization, most leaders in organizations. And here's another, you know, kind of a, a differentiator. Most leaders can write the resumes of the people on their team. Managers cannot write the resumes. So the differentiator there is, do I get to know Spencer, know that you have kids and you have grandkids and where you are? That means I could write your resume. Do I know your past life, the other jobs you've had, where you've lived? That's the resume. The more you know about people, the better you can connect and the better you can integrate people together. Thus, leaders can write resumes. The manager mentality doesn't because you don't look at people as assets. You don't look at people in terms of how do I best leverage human capital. You look at people as just simply a mere resource. It's like brick mortar, money in a bank and more widgets on the shelf, as they say. So again, it's about how you engage people and give people opportunities to showcase their greatness. It becomes a recruiting tool to your organization, becomes a retention tool. You'll keep great people because every research model for decades I've ever read talks about why people leave a job. Money is never the first one or two or three reasons why they leave a job. Money's never the first one or two, three reasons why someone takes a job. Money's always on the list, but the first couple of reasons why I leave and the first couple of reasons why I come are usually always the same answers about engagement, appreciation, involvement, getting along with people, feeling valued. My, my, my time and energy is worth something. So that means that, they, they're leaving you and me, not the organization. Exactly right. Oh, and that's dangerous. Oh, it's never about me. It's always someone else that's at fault. I mean, the hypocrisy on this planet runs, you know, runneth over. And if anyone has ever stuck with what hypocrisy looks like, as a former award-winning journalist who walked away from that industry in 1989, just turn on any major news network and you'll see what hypocrisy looks like. It's always the finger pointing game, tossing everyone else under the bus, but no one's willing to look in a mirror and take ownership. All right. I got a, I, there's a lot to unpack there. Trust me, <laughs> a lot to unpack there. And we could probably go anywhere, uh, any one of 12 different directions and probably talk for seven or eight hours easy and not even scratch the surface of the knowledge that you've got there. But there's, you, you mentioned the Olympic things. So I have to come back to that. So um, my question to you is this, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll ask the question with an example. So the example is uh, one of the people that I work with in the International Olympic Committee is a world or a former world champion rower. Now he got into rowing. He made a conscious decision to get into rowing because of 
his physical stature, he realized, well, I, I'm not cut out for basketball, really not cut out for gymnastics because you need certain kind, you need certain body types, right? To, to perform in some of these things. But he looked at rowing and said, there's a sport I can excel in because I know I can work harder than anybody, which he did. He actually does not have the ideal uh, build for rowers because rowers will probably be, you know, on average, like six, three, six, four. And he's just a bit under six feet and stocky, um, but he has a tremendous work ethic. I mean, he, he just said, you know what, I'm going to work 10 hours, 12 hours a day. I'm just going to work out all the time. And that's what he did. And he ended up succeeding. He became uh, uh, a world champion rower for team Canada. Uh, he's a Canadian and um and now he works for the International Olympic Committee. And so with all that background, I now ask my question, how do you know whether you just simply aren't cut out for something, you don't have the right type versus, you know what, this is something I can do and I can bust my tail and I'm going to achieve it. Because there's some things that maybe you work really hard, you're just never going to get there uh, because of whatever reason. Great question. So for our viewers and listeners, I would love to say I actually fed that question to Christian and this was a setup. It was not. The question- So that far, nothing Christian, we've talked about is. <laughs> this goes right to my wheelhouse, which also is an answer to Christian's question for all of us. How you know, there actually are some very finite ways to know what you're best suited for, or there are some very finite ways to figure out what the stepping stones are to get to whatever that goal is. And when you know those, just as this, you know, interplay that Christian and I are doing for all of the viewers right now, that's when you know it's time to show up and share or when it's time to shut up and sit down. So as a performance psychologist, what I started studying long before I ever knew that I could become a psychologist, anyone who's ever had an older brother or sister quickly recognized as a child that if, if Christian's my younger brother and Spencer's my older brother and Spencer does something and gets away with it, or my younger brother Christian does something and gets away with it, then I behaviorally know exactly what to do more than likely to get away with something. Now, if Christian and I are watching Spencer, the older brother do something and he gets in trouble because he got caught, then Christian and I very quickly realize, okay, that was done, brother. You should have done it this way. We make an adjustment behaviorally to try to do it differently so we don't get in trouble. Add 30 years, that's the adult in the business conversation, what works and what doesn't. So the first way you start to get clues is you benchmark off of someone, somewhere, somehow. So there's a formula that I actually have created called the player capability index model. And I'll share that formula with, with Christian and Spencer as a diagram, and you can post it to the website for those of you that watch this podcast, and you can even have it, we'll gift it to you. But the player capability index model is a formula I use if we're trying to update or write job descriptions, or if we're looking to um, retool performance reviews or, or assessments, if we're looking to coach people on how to have better real-time ongoing performance conversations, if we're looking to interview more effectively, if we're looking to do career pathway of someone and help them to see the different opportunities in an organization, this formula works for all of those. If you're a parent and you have a child that's eight or nine and says, you know, dad, mom, I would like to be X when I grow up. Well, as a parent, you start making educated guesstimates. So, okay, if my child wants to be a pilot and they're eight years of age, these might be the sorts of things they need to be better at or excel in. So all of that is what all of us know to do anyway. But what I did is I put pencil to it. So the formula and I won't go through all of it now because it's hard to do on this podcast, but I will answer it. So how do you know what someone's good at doing? That's the output of the formula. So 
In this diagram and formula, the last letter is R for results. Results is the output. What I recognize is there actually is a way to answer number one, am I good at doing that output, that job, that endeavor? A client calls you and says, hey, you know, uh, Spencer, can you work with my group on XYZ? Well, that's the output to the formula. So how you can grow yourself, develop yourself. And if you're listening, everybody, Christian actually gave you some of the answers with this person from Canada. So in the formula, there's parentheses. And I tell people the letters inside the parentheses is the operational DNA of a human being. And this is exactly how you can finite answer what you're going to be successful at and what you're going to suck at, to be real blunt. So the first letter is letter T. So it's T plus A plus P plus E plus C, if you want to write the formula out. And that's only part of the formula, but I'm just going to give you that answer because this is really important to how do you build teams and have winning outcomes individually or collectively. So T, A, P, E, C, each letter has a plus sign in between. So T stands for training. So any way you look at knowledge gain in my formula is letter T. So training could be formal or informal education, could be technical, non-technical, could be certification, non-certification driven. So that's part of the answer. So to be a rower, to be a basketball player, to be an astronaut, to be a fireman, any of those doesn't matter. There's going to be a T component. What's the level of training, acumen, knowledge gain you have to possess to get there? In high school, my teachers were very sharp. They quickly realized Jeff McGee cannot add one plus one and get the right number. You're going to drive all the math teachers crazy. So, so you might want to take the English classes or the social study classes. So they're pushing me in that trajectory, basically. So I did AP honors English and, and history, and I was on the yearbook staff and the journalism staff and because that was where I was going to excel. So your element of being a rower versus a gymnast. So first is the letter T. So now this individual had the dogged work ethic to do what it needed to do to get there. Well, let's put that as an overlay to letter T. Some people don't want to get the knowledge, but they want to have that job. Wrong answer. There's a reason for the knowledge. You're not willing to go to school, to learn how to be a medical doctor. I really don't want to see you in an operating room when my eyeball open up. So again, those sort of elements. If I want my CPA to be a CPA, I don't want just a bookkeeper. So that's going to be lots of letter T's, education, certification. A, A is attitude. Attitude is where work ethic comes into the conversation that you ask Christian. So again, I may have all the knowledge in the world. And a lot of us think of my formula. First letter is T for training. Second letter is A for attitude. Third letter is letter P for performance. But just look at the first two. We've all known someone who had tremendous depth of knowledge. That's T training. And a world-class crappy attitude. And if you've ever been around someone like that, they don't pee very effectively. They don't even like to pee, perform. They want someone else to do all the peeing for them. Have to have a little fun with the math here. But conversely, we've also learned people, which could be your rower, could be the three of us, could be one of our viewers today that has the right attitude, the work ethic. I'm willing to bust my butt. I'm willing to do the extra. They may not be the smartest guy in a room right now. So they may have tremendous A and they may lack a lot of the T, but at least they try to pee everywhere, don't they? That put me in coach, let me try. And so what we even know, so, so again, just like with this podcast, my magazine, Professional Performance Magazine for 30 years, I mean, I've interviewed the last five presidents of the United States have written for me, last four first ladies, world leaders, celebrities, pro athletes, business people, uh, American Indian heritage is a fascination of mine. I always have a tribal Indian chief write in an issue. I work with the National Guards across the 54 states and territories. So I typically have an adjutant general that either will write for me or that I'll interview. Uh, you know, Spencer, you're in Utah right now and the current adjutant general for your state's Army and, and, and Air National Guard um, is written for my magazine in, in, the, in the last issue. Phenomenal article. We actually, we did a Q&A is what we did. Phenomenal answer. But all that comes back to letter P for performance. 
that again, you have to have the right attitude, work ethic, dedication. Your question of me, work ethic. I realize that if I want to be successful, it's not a right, wrong. It's not really a choice of do I want to do it or do I want to whine about it. My God, 6 a.m. might be a little bit early for me here, but no one else is working at 6 a.m. in Pacific. And no one else is working pretty much in, in Mountain because it's 7 o'clock. And no one's really working in America at 8 o'clock in Central. And hell, for the most part, no one's even working on the East Coast at 9 o'clock. Most Americans only work about three hours a day, truth be told. my model t is training a is attitude p is performance so when christian you ask the question how do you really decide what you're you know what you're really suited for it starts with what do i want to accomplish there's your output then back up and ask if what's the knowledge one needs to possess to do that and do i have it yes or no am i willing to get it yes or no because there's part of your answer am i willing to do the work it takes to get there that's attitude questions and then performance am i willing to to invest the time or take the time it takes to get there some jobs and there's always exceptions to any rule and statement, but some jobs, literally, you have to spend time to understand how to do this role before you really understand the next, before you understand the next, to make you suited to be in some of these other roles. And some people, they want the, you know, the old traditional corner office. They want it yesterday. They don't want to spend 30 years to get there. So yeah, maybe we don't need to spend 30 years to get to the corner office, but putting someone there just because their birthright and their daddy or mom owns a company is the fastest way to blow up a family-owned business. And I've been there for 30 years also. So Three of those. Then you can add experiences. What are your experiences? Again, if you've ever been in the military, then typically one of the common threads of anyone in the military, regardless if you're the Marines, the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, if you've been in the military, typically you have good work ethic. Ah, work ethic is part of an experience. It's part of an attitude. So again, your experiences. Did you live in a large family, small family, rural America, city America, dirt poor or filthy rich? Doesn't matter. Those are experiences, gives you clues. And the more you know about someone's experiences, you'll know how they're going to impact where they're trying to go and how they influence others. And the last to see is culture inside those letters, the culture of how you were raised, whether you're Catholic or Mormon or Baptist, doesn't make any difference, but that's a simply an example, maybe an overlay of how you've been conditioned to think and operate. You know, are you Republican, Democrat, or independent? Again, doesn't matter, but it gives you a cultural clue as to how someone may be conditioned to operate. So Christian, you asked a powerful question. And so I actually have created a formula that speaks to that. So if I want to grow someone, mentor someone, the formula gives me a blueprint if I want to grow myself, it gives me a blueprint. And if I want to build a winning team, it tells me all of the pieces of the puzzle. And this map gives you the clarity to see what they must look like to be successful. You know, it's really interesting. You know, I, I, I teach really hiring managers. We use job models where we create this, you know, ideal personality profile that has, uh, you know, the, 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 the now, if you're going to be that CPA, you're probably somebody that likes analysis and maybe be in the back room. You're not necessarily in, you know, the in the front desk where all the people are coming in because that that drains your energy. But I have seen people with that personality succeed in a job that requires a lot of analysis because they have some of these elements you talked about. So you cannot just use a profile and say, well, this is. You know, first of all, that's discrimination, right? Because Jeff has a profile that is, you know, anti-math. You'll never be a mathematician. And but I if you really wanted formula. to, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but if you really wanted to, you could, you, you know, you you may be weak in one of these areas, and and you could really push hard. Like you didn't have the body type, like Christian talked about, but you made up for it in everything else. And Thanks. so there's so many examples of people that have. You know, if you look at the money ball formula, you know, they, they took people that were not the star athletes that didn't have the body types that like we're talking about here, but they had something 
something else. And it's a lot of these things that you just talked about right here. And that's a great example. So again, if you're not always feeding your mind multiple different stimulation, reading of books, watching of videos, different elements on YouTube, you know, different magazines, different networking groups, different podcasts, this should always be one you listen to, different people giving you <laughs> ideas, then you're never going to really, really recognize your true success. And Moneyball is another great movie for any of our visitors here that are not familiar with it. Add it to your watch list. Again, some great models that come out of it. I mean, again, how do you build a winning baseball team? Find, train, place. Pretty simple model. Right. Find the right people with some of the things we just talked about here in Christian, your question, train them to be best at where you need to place them and then place them and let them grow from there. Other elements. Sometimes it's not that you have the money or the ability or the, the resources that you would want for a winning team, but wait a minute, I can still be a winning team if I bring the right ingredients together. And so another example of that is every year in sports, high school, college pros, you typically hear this at the high school, college level, where someone talks about this team at the end of the year that just really excelled and maybe won everything, and they call it the Cinderella team. I always laugh under my breath because there's no such thing as a Cinderella team. You're calling the Cinderella team because you were too stupid to figure out the formula at the beginning of the season that the coach realized, which is back to Spence, which you said. If I have to have a winning team, I don't have one or two great players to build around. Back up. What's the disciplines? What's the functionality? What's the work product? What's the output that we need to collectively come together to be able to do and how do i put collectively the right people in the right place at the right time and if we just stay focused and stay humble we can kick everyone's butt because everyone's going to undervalue us and underthink who we are but we in essence are a successful team as a team hence part of the you know mantra of your podcast culture a successful and team because of one player that's right and, and they create a culture that it, that people are are you know you get some of the bigger name schools or teams and, and they they just assume because they have these blue chip talents that they are expected to win and they they themselves think we're going to win just because we show up when they maybe have not been putting in the work and the effort and, and having the attitude and the training that their team that was hungrier and wanted it more had and christian i'm talking you you have so many examples because he works with so many uh sports people i'll, I'll shut up now man made me think something here when you were talking dr mcgee i i like to get into the sports and it's nice to have kind of a sports uh, flavored podcast here uh, over the weekend we we just witnessed the uh what it was the playoffs i guess you would call them of the national football league and um the kansas city chiefs were playing with their backup quarterback henny with with uh, chad henny and i was watching this telecast and tony romo on a, on a fourth down is saying, there's no way they're going to go for it. They're just, they're not going to run the play. They're just going to hike. They're just going to fake or not hike the ball. They're just going to try to draw the other team off sides. They decided to run the play. They got the first down, which allowed them to run out the clock and the game is over. And he's yelling on the telecast. I can't believe that they did this. Nobody's ever done this. This is the first time I've ever seen anybody do this. So the question I have for you is, um, when do you know to stick with the conventional wisdom or when do you have enough confidence in your team that you can do the unconventional and win? Great question. The answer is the same. If you understand your human capital, you understand the business you're in, you understand market opportunities 
and you have a game plan, you don't deviate from it. Someone else may say you're deviating, but you're not. So, so that's part of it. And you have to believe in your people. So let me stay with the same sports metaphor and let's back this up, everybody, because here's something I used to use in my leadership workshops for years. It's a little bit dated, so I don't necessarily go there anymore, but there's a great example. I remember going home to Colorado a couple of years ago. My, one of my brothers was in from Texas and I'm in from, at that time, Oklahoma. And we're sitting down in my mom's house and we're like, you know, the beginning of the NFL Super Bowl game and two teams are getting ready to play. So I won't mention New England Patriots by name. And so we're in the other room getting our chips and salsa and drinks together because, you know, God is, gay, is really good. And he gave us a couple of good food groups and chips and salsa is one of the main food groups you need. So we're getting all of our snacks together. We come in the other room and the team that we were rooting for was already down. The other team had already scored. And we're going, oh, well, wait a second. I mean, it's, it's like the first two seconds of the game. What's going on? So at halftime, the New England Patriots were down by more points than any team in the history of the Super Bowl. And even everyone that really loved the, the New England Patriots because they were favored, they were still trying to figure out some way to, to, to spin this in a positive way, even though mathematically there is no way they are ever going to come back. What was interesting is that the next day in USA Today was a picture of the head coach in the locker room with the team around him. And right over here in the background was a flip chart of their game plan for the first half. Now they came back and they won and everyone was stunned that they won. Now here's the answer to Christian's question, everybody. When do you change a game plan or not? So there's two answers I said. Here's one of the two answers. What they did in the second half was they did not change their game plan. What they did was they went in the locker room and kind of the coach, I'm not sure what he said, but it probably was something like this. Okay, we've now proven we have no effing clue what we're doing. You now have statistically proven that you all think we're playing powder puff soccer or basketball or something. This is the NFL, boys, and you now have proven you suck. Here's <laughs> the game plan that we know will work. The, the reality is, look at, the, look at the chart. None of you are doing what's right here. We don't need a new game plan. We don't need a new game plan. We, we need, need to execute our execute. Right. And that's what they did when they came back. And almost everyone that talked about that Super Bowl, the one thing that I found interesting from a business management leadership perspective, no one said what we just said right here. They were talking about it from all these 9,000 directions. They missed the plan. So one, you have to have the confidence. If you've got the winning game plan, you don't let the situation stress you. You don't let emotion kick in. You don't get scared and let anxiety cause you something stupid. So the first answer, if you know you've got a winning game plan, Spencer hit it. It's execution. Go back and visit. Are we really executing it? Now, the second answer to do we do something that's against conventional wisdom? Wait a minute. It's not against conventional wisdom. It's against their wisdom. That's the difference between successful people in the market space. See, in business, we talk about market share and I call market opportunity. Market share is what everyone that's in your space is doing and what piece of it do you get? Successful people, they understand and own that, but successful people step outside and look at where's the market opportunity. See, it was unconventional to the person watching because it was outside of their wheelhouse, but the person in the game was saying, wait a second, this is another opportunity we have. It's not stupid. Looking at the playing field, looking at the players, looking at the psychology, looking at us, I have multiple options and this is the play. You know what? We know how to do this. Everyone knows how to do this. Everyone knows where to go. Let's do it. Boom. And that's why they did it. Exceeded in one. You know, you, you now you just brought in the idea of Clayton Christensen's whole disrupting your whole industry. And that's, you know, it's a going against the conventional wisdom. His whole idea was figure out 
what what it is that's going to happen in the future to your industry and do it now disrupt yourself is what he would actually talk to people and that's kind of changing the game plan before the game plan changes on you so that's brilliant and you I, I think you really brought that in can I you know none of what we talked about so far Dr. McGee is has anything to do with what we kind of prepped on <laughs> I'm sorry. Which shows, which, no, it's it's brilliant. It just shows your your brilliance. But I I want you to bring in something that we talked about originally, and that's alignment. Because I, I think about you know your stories with the New England Patriots, and that would not have happened if they were not aligned as a team, conceptually uh, around their their coaches' philosophy and all of that. Will you talk about how just just talk about your your approach to alignment? Why that's so important to teams and organizations? Critically important, especially again, people will be watching this podcast, hopefully for many years into the future. So to kind of date when we're recording this one in, in one of the answers to Spencer's question is the word evergreen. Evergreen means an idea withstands time. Evergreen means what you're talking about will withstand time. And that's how I try to always think when I answer my clients' questions and even my own business modeling you know, questions and life decisions. So I try to look at it from an evergreen standpoint because then it gets me more, more, more runway space, as, as they say, down the road. So in that, there's a concept I use called trajectory code. So to answer how you figure out alignment and get people in alignment, let me, let me back up a second. So a couple of years ago, I was asked by John Wiley, one of the world's largest trade book publishers, to write a book that talks about just personal life success. And I, I've never really played in that space. All my books are around leadership and sales. I've written four graduate management textbooks uh, that have been global bestsellers for me. So I wrote this book, Your Trajectory Code, which, which did phenomenally well, as well for John Wiley, it was a bestseller. And in that book, I took a tool that I've been using forever in business called the Trajectory Code Model, and I personalized it. And here's the here's easiest way for me to help all of us, whether this is you at home personally, or you with an association or a community group you're a part of, or you at work at your own level with you and your peers, or you and your team or department, or as a business leader in your organization or a business owner, you can use this at any level. So the trajectory code model, let me set it up this way. So imagine I have a, a, a thumbtack on my wall back here, and I take two threads, different colors, doesn't matter what color, and I just have two threads tacked and are straight down to the floor. If I take one tack, and I kind of pull it up and I tack it up here and we'll call this letter B. So the tack here with the two threads is A. And I put another tack up here at B. So I pull one thread this way. And I take the other thread and I tack it up here, call that C. So I got A, B, C. Where those two threads start down here at A, there'll be a little bit of space where those two threads are first coming up from the thumb tack, where it will look like those two threads are one on top of each other before they start to spread apart. Does that make sense? That's critically important to understanding Christian's statement about that Olympic rower or any Olympic gold medalist or any person who decides to be a plumber versus a pilot. The difference at the very beginning where they both leave A and go up, I, I put a little circle in the book Trajectory Code when I'm talking about the Trajectory Code V model. And that space right there is what I call the 1% factor. People are successful or successful because they realize if they're going on the wrong trajectory, 
where those two threads are on top of each other. It's only a 1% recalibration to get back over to the success trajectory. But the longer you wait, takes more work. So now let's go back to this V diagram for everybody. So A stands for activating event. Psychology works off of about five basic models. And one's called the ABC model to human behavior. I simply have taken the ABC model to human behavior and I have businessized it. So A is the starting point, activating event. And then you have B, B is for behavior. And that's a finite line. So if you're on A, B trajectory, it's a finite line and another word i could put up here at the top of this finite line is failure failure in essence because you're not going to be able to get to your destination a to c i'll put a label on top of this c and call that success and then continue that line out into infinity so ac goes out to infinity and represents success ab represents failure is that making sense yeah so with that model i now can answer a zillion questions so if i can get everyone aligned in that 1% zone faster, we can all accelerate towards seeing have greater successes. So how do I get people aligned is there are some other words up here for success at letter C or other words for C, we call C consequence. Other words for C would be goals. What's Spencer's goals, what's Christian goals? And if I can find a way to find similarity and connectivity between your two goals, I increase the ability to get you two guys aligned so you're working together from point A to point C. So some of the words for C would be goals, values. What are your values are important? So I tell people, if you're going to go to work for an organization, look at their website, see what their company values are. Can you live with those? Are those somewhat similar to your values? Read on LinkedIn, the profile of the CEO or the senior leadership team. What's their mission statement? What's their vision statement? What are their values? See, values, vision, and mission statement could all be the data, the key performance indicators you could write down on the AC trajectory. So then you come back and anytime you step in to engage someone, think of the ABC model. Think of the V diagram. If I'm going to engage Spencer right now, we're both at point A. How do I know if I'm in alignment with him? Well, what are your values? What's important to you? Where are you trying to go? And if those are consistent with me, I can connect with you and we can be a lot more successful. But a lot of times we don't realize that we're not congruent with the other person until you're like halfway up. Well, you still might be able to get over here, but that may take some energy. But most people, they don't realize that they're being stubborn and going in the wrong direction until they run into that A, B, that dead end wall. It takes a ton of energy to create the change you get from B to letter C. So you align by having common values. You align by having common vision. You align by having common experiences. I have some friends, you two gentlemen probably do as well, that are federal politicians, senators, congressmen. I've, I've had the opportunity to meet the last three presidents. Doesn't matter if you like them or not. What I've recognized is the reason that politics is so ugly today is because no one really on either side of the line has a reason to be connected. See, up until around 2000, no matter if you're Republican, Independent, Socialist, Democrat, whatever you were, you moved to D.C. for half of the year because you actually worked back there four or five days every week. And you had kids, so you went to some of the same churches. The, your kids all went to the same schools. You all broke bread together. Kind of hard to be completely rude and disrespectful to someone you're interacting with. Today, you go back there, your kids don't come back. You don't go to the same churches with people on the other side of the aisle, as they say. Your kids aren't in school with someone on the other side of the aisle. You share an apartment with three other people with the same political views. So that's why you become so ingrained that you aren't aligned. And everyone forgot the first word in the Constitution is our country's mission statement, which says we, not you, not me, we. If you're not one of us, shut up, get at the back of the line. You are one of us, come to the front line, let's talk. See, that's the simplicity of how you can bring people together. You have to have common alignment. I gave you a whole lot of answers there. I just want to say mic drop.
you know? That's right. <laughs> He's got the mic on his lapel. It's right there, man. It's like, boop. Okay. We're Thank good. Thank you, sir. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. You know, we, uh, we, we could keep going. You know, one, one of the things I, I forgot to mention is you have this um, leadership academy. You know, I go on your website and you've got all kinds of, you've got sales mastery. People can come and, and really learn a lot of your leadership uh, principles uh, just from the tools that you have out there, the books, the, the, the webinars, the, 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 the series, the mastery series that, that you have. If, if, uh, if people want to learn more about the work that you do, how can they find you? Thank you. Great question. So, so there's two, two businesses that I'm a part of. So for my talent development side, it's, it's my name, jeffreymcgee.com. And on there, you can learn about the leadership work we do with organizations through the Leadership Academy of Excellence. It's where we go in and work with an organization, roll up the sleeve, we're with you for an entire year. Um, if it's about revenue generation and sales mastery, we have a series of six programs there. We can come in and work with you. We have virtual, we have an LMS platform. Um, we have podcasts, we have uh, magazines, articles, a lot, of, a lot of resources on that side as well. Now the magazine side, my media company is Professional Performance Magazine. Professional Performance Magazine is 30 years of age this year. Uh, and what we've done uh, on a quarterly basis is we go out to phenomenal cross-section of personalities that would be deemed to be super achievers in their space. Um, and we ask of them to share via our platform an article, 500 to 1,000 words on success that's evergreen in nature. And so we have kind of a formula. We always have a federal politician. Um, we always have someone from the religious, evangelical, Christian sort of that space have an, uh, an, uh, uh, an Indian tribal chief. Uh, we always have a military general. We always have a, 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 a Fortune 100 Corporation C-suite executive. We have a New York Times sort of best-selling author, cross-section of, of people. So they're really the articles appeal to everybody. It's not just one section. We don't just have a theme. If there were a theme, it's about performance and achievement. So those are the two places. Uh, and again, for our viewers here today, if you go to either of those two, uh, and you sign up for Performance Magazine, we'll give you a free digital quarterly subscription as being a viewer of your podcast. Um, if they want to buy hard copies, they're, they're welcome to do that as well. So that would be all the different ways we can keep growing you know, the energy that your viewers bring to the table as well. Because again, 29% of America are the super achievers. And so we need to really step it up so we can get others to be on our team. You know, I think you know, Christian, that uh, Dr. McGee walks the walks the talk. You know, when we talk, you know, he and I have, have had some conversations, and you know, and he's he's in the trenches, and he is doing everything that he's teaching people how to do. He he's doing it because he's experienced it with all of the years of experience and seeing the challenges in corporate America and helping them fix those problems. Um, and and I've just had the the privilege of of seeing you firsthand, and um, I know maybe I cut that. Short Christians or anything else that put you on the spot that you would like to know because you don't get to see him with that mic in his hand as, as often as I have, man. Too kind. Thank you, guys. Well, it's been an absolute honor to meet you virtually, Dr. McGee. I really appreciate that. And Spencer, uh, it's always a pleasure to do the podcast with you. If people want to learn more about how you might be able to help them, how can they reach out and contact you? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, reach out to me on our website, spent, uh, excuse me, Altium Leadership. That's A-L-T-I-U-M Leadership. And you can chat me there or email me at spencer at altiumleadership.com. All right. Thank you so much, Spencer. And people can find me at uh, my website, gp4.com. That's gpfour.com or on LinkedIn. You can just look up Christian Napier 
or uh, you can email me at cnapier at gp4.com. So Dr. McGee, Spencer, uh, again, it was an honor to have you with us today. Thank you so much. Listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast and we'll catch you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you.